are currently sat here open mouth because we have just watched the trailer for Jennifer Lopez's cinematic odyssey companion film. Cinematic odyssey being her words, not ours. Certainly not ours. She has dropped a companion film to her ninth studio album, which is out for the early birds listening on the day we're live tomorrow. This is me now. It comes with a fantastical... Very high budget. Highly high budget. Bizarre film. It's sci-fi, rom-com, comedy, action, thriller. So it's on Amazon Prime. It is directed by her husband, Ben Affleck. You might know And it's him. a genre-bending original that showcases her journey through her own eyes to love. What were our thoughts when we watched it? It's just so unclear what the purpose of this piece of air quotes, art, actually is. Like, again, in the explainer, they call it, this panorama is an introspective retrospective of Jennifer's resilient heart. (laughs) An introspective retrospective. (laughs) Of Jennifer's resilient heart. I mean, what? The whole vibe, just everything that J-Lo gives out, gives me little girl doodling heart emojis and like jennifer loves everything is that and even that cinematic odyssey like the credits rolled and there were just rose petals dropping across the screen it's like you are 52 years old like i know aj nothing but a number as we said in the last episode but also it's giving me the ick i'm gonna be honest it just feels very contrived doesn't it i can't lie and sickly also, what is the bizarre narrative? There's a therapist who appears to be Fat Joe, <laughs> and they're hinting at the fact that she has a sex addiction, which is quite un JLo to kind of fuel that potential rumor around her. Yeah, like, is this about her or is this a fantastical made up story about a character? And also, why does the trailer look like it could be the trailer for every other film that she's also been in in the last 20 years? It also comes on the heels of her first official music video for the new album called Can't Get Enough, in which, again, she is role-playing a character getting married and getting made fun of for all her marriages. So it's very meta. It's like, clearly, that is J-Lo. Yeah, there's a whole bit where one of the other characters says, oh, third time's a charm. But actually, hasn't she been married more than three times anyway? (laughs) She's been married four times. And she says, I can't now even place it, whether she says it in a music video as a kind of character of, or like herself. But she's like, ever since I was a little girl, I've always dreamed of just being in love. Yeah, she's like a hopeless romantic. She always talks about that. And she's made that her identity, which is also really at odds with the fact that she's also a highly, highly successful career woman also, and businesswoman. It is. So I, in that way, I guess I kind of love it because you're so showing that you can be a hopeless romantic and fall into all those like classic wet feminine stereotypes whilst also being a badass bitch. Absolutely. And she smashed out her career for a long time before having kids. Like when she got pregnant with the twins and had them in 2008, at that time, she was considered like a slightly older mother comparatively yes. to other celebrities. But nevertheless, I do find her obsession with weddings. She's done eight wedding films and... As we say, she's been married herself four times. What? Yeah, but it's like a meta joke at this point, yeah. like you said. Like, everyone knows that JLo and weddings are, like, intrinsically tied. Do you know what I mean? Now that she's tied the knot with Ben Affleck, surely she's going to make weddings a business. Surely. It's the only logical step for her at this point. It is. <laughs> Wedding dresses by JLo. Yes. <laughs> okay, what well, I want to know, just a bit of psychotherapy quickly before we go into JLo's fascinating career her obsession with weddings do we think there's like a deep-seated 
route for that? Her first big rom-com was The Wedding Planner. So I think it's just become intrinsically linked to her overall like brand identity. So does she know that when she kind of aligns herself with anything wedding core, it will sell well? Because surely you'd get bored. I am personally, I personally, having seen J-Lo in Marry Me, I'm not interested in seeing her in any other wedding film. That's it for me. That's enough. Well, it's just as well you haven't watched the rest of her oeuvre then because you would be damn bored. <laughs> I would. I love a wedding film and I think J-Lo is queen of the wedding film. So I don't have a issue with her covering weddings to bloody death if she wants to. But I do think it was slightly mad that she brought out two wedding related films in 2022. What about her home life? Like is her obsession with marriage and therefore what comes with it maybe like emotional security linked to the fact that she had a difficult upbringing? So she was raised by her mother after her father left the family. So perhaps that could be linked. You know, there's that therapy cliche of some women really looking for a kind of protector figure in terms of boyfriends or always needing a boyfriend because they might have had an absent father growing up or a father that didn't show them attention. Yeah. Is that potentially something to do with JLo's I mean, it could well be. I don't know if she's ever really spoken about it. I think what's interesting about J-Lo is she's a real media pro, classic kind of American starlet. She Mm. never gets that deep when she's interviewed. So I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, any other fellow J-Lo fans out there. Creatives often kind of hypothesize about why they are the way they are in interviews and things like that. Yes, they like to create themselves a kind of a narrative yeah whereas she pushes the whole i'm a hopeless romantic narrative as just like a real positive she doesn't actually look into the like psychological reasons why she might be yes very true so when did it all begin for a young j-lo so jennifer lynn lopez was born on july 24th in 1969 in the bronx which is a borough of new york city and she was raised in the neighborhood of castle hill her parents david lopez and guadalupe rodriguez were born in puerto rico and they met in new york city after serving in the army david worked as a computer technician and guadalupe was a homemaker for the first 10 years of jennifer's life and then she worked as a tupperware salesperson oh Tupperware specifically, and a kindergarten and a gym teacher, but they divorced in the 90s after 33 years of marriage. So they divorced when Jennifer was an adult. She's a middle child. She has an older sister, Leslie, and a younger sister, Linda. She's talked a lot about how her upbringing was very strict because they were Catholics. Mm. I think her parents really didn't want her to pursue dancing. So dancing is where she actually got her big break. She originally wanted to be a dancer. Anyone that's seen the J-Lo documentary on Netflix will also know that. And her parents were super mad when she said that she was going to pursue this dance career. Uh, She left college to do so. And her mom asked her to move out of the family home. They stopped speaking for eight months. And that's when she moved to Manhattan, sleeping in the dance studio's office for the first few months. Her first dancing job was actually in 1989, but she then did loads of different things. Like she danced in 1990 alongside MC Hammer in an episode of Yo! MTV Raps. She also was a backup dancer for Janet Jackson at one Mm. time. She was in a couple of music videos. But yeah, her first acting role was in a TV show called South Central in 1994. However, it wasn't until 1997 that she got her really big break in Selena. Selena is a biopic based on the singer Selena Quintanilina Perez. What was interesting, I guess, about this or significant was that Jennifer became the first Latina actress to earn a million dollars. She then quite quickly after starred opposite Ice Cube in the kind of B-rate horror film Anaconda. 
And then she was also in the crime film U-Turn in the same year, 1997, and she appeared topless in a sex scene that she has since said it's not something that she would have chosen to do and that she fought with the director over. However, it did actually work in the movie. She's now said in hindsight. Oh, really? Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, I've never really thought of J-Lo as someone that would do nude shoots as well, even though she's very in her sexuality and wears very risque outfits. I don't really recall any, like, intimate sex scenes. All her films are quite PG. You're right. There is a horrendously sexual moment in her massive turkey of a film, Gili, but I will get to that. So Jennifer's proper big break, in fact, was in The Crime Caper Out of Sight with George Clooney, which people still say now is one of her best examples of work to date. Yes, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, it was Steven Soderbergh's adaptation of the Elmore Leonard novel of the same name. She was playing a deputy marshal who falls for a charming criminal and she got rave reviews across the board. It really cemented her position as an exciting rising star. Your fave, Peter Bradshaw in The Guardian, has since said, he wrote this in 2021, Lopez and Clooney's partnership is one of the best examples of on-screen chemistry in cinema history. Sizzling. She was then also, the following year, one of the voices in the animated film Ants, which was actually very big at the time. That film was huge, Did Ants. I assume she was an ant. Yeah, it's an animation. She voiced one of them. Mm. Cute. Can't say I saw it. <laughs> have you, Did you not? Oh my God, another one. Literally, I'm going to have to write you a list of like noughties films, 90s and noughties films that you have to oh, go and watch. Oh, actually, hang on. You must have seen Ants. Again, I, I literally rewatched it on TV like recently. Do you know what? I think I saw it in French. Oh, yeah, so they probably dubbed it with a different voice anyway. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that, but I saw it in French. Because all my summers were spent in France. Anyway, back to J-Lo. So it was in 1999 that she launched her music career because after Selena, she had missed the excitement of the stage and was really feeling her Latin roots. Her new manager, Benny Medina, sought to position her as a brand name that will cross over into all media. An all-singing, all-dancing entertainer. Such a classic thing is what we're talking about with Britney, isn't it? These kind of managers who want the stars to do everything to get the most money. Yes. And she has since fallen out with Medina. But then went back to him as well, mm. which is kind of interesting. It's worth saying that already by 1999, she had been married. She had been married for the first time to a waiter, Ojani Noah, from 1997 to 1998. They met at a restaurant in Miami Beach. They were married within a year of having met in a friend's back garden on the water in Miami. And despite having divorced, they remained friends. He actually even managed J-Lo's restaurant Madres, which opened in California in the early 2000s, although he was then fired a few years later. <laughs> and um, the closed. Yes. And he's been quite salty about her since. In an interview, he said that he found it very difficult to get hold of her because she was surrounded by assist assistants. He also got very jealous because he would see her out and about with Diddy whilst they were still together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interestingly, Ajani confronted her about it. And as he told the Daily Mail, I rang Jen and asked why she was going out with him on dates. And she said, it's just business. It's what I'm being told to do. And in fact, they then got together, I think, five months later, didn't they? Yes, so in 1999, she started properly dating Diddy and it ended because of infidelity. She said later about the relationship, it was the first time I was with someone who wasn't faithful. I was in this relationship with Puff where I was totally crying, crazy and going nuts. It really took my whole life in a tailspin. He'd say he was going to a club for a couple of hours and then he'd never come back that night. 
Also, there were reports from that time that she used to hunt him down and knock on hotel rooms looking for him. Oh, God. Which I could totally imagine doing if I was in that desperate situation. So that exact quote we actually read out on air about six weeks ago. Yeah, yeah we kind of break down the whole JLo and P. Diddy relationship there and the huge scandal that engulfed them when they were arrested and charged with possessions of a firearm. It had all kind of disappeared into like the annals of history and was brought up again recently when all the allegations against P. Diddy came about. That's kind of why we talked about it then. Exactly. Yeah. So do go back and listen to that. But they must have met because he was a music producer at the time. So she'd been working on her debut album on the six. It was named after the six subway line, which connected her childhood home in the Bronx to Manhattan. And it was filled with what Ed Morales of the Los Angeles Times at the time described as state of the arts dance pop, even if Lopez's vocals are largely anonymous. The album was a massive success and the debut single, If You Had My Love, If You Had My Love, and yeah. I Gave You All My Trust, I loved that song. I have to say the quote about JLo's vocals being largely anonymous could maybe be used to describe her entire career, <laughs> considering her vocals have been debated in terms of their authenticity throughout. It could. <laughs> Everyone knows the big major JLo fact as well related to P. Diddy, which is that in 2000, they attended the Grammys together and she wore this iconic Versace dress. Yes. Everyone will know what I'm talking about. It literally created Google images. It did. It was so heavily Googled. It was the most searched phrase ever that Google realized that they needed to create like an image search engine as well and that just text wouldn't be enough. I have a fun fact for you on the green oh, dress yeah. though. Hit Do you know me. that she's not the first celebrity to have worn it? Oh, who wore it first? A month prior, Jerry Halliwell wore it, <gasps> and it didn't quite kick up the same. That's kind of um, noise. embarrassing for Jerry Halliwell. It is, isn't it? Sorry, it is. Sorry I must now have bitch, a quick. But... Is it out there? The picture? No one was searching for that. I take it. Okay, but 2001 was a extremely iconic year, also for the reason that it is when the Wedding Planner came out. Rom-com yes. starring J-Lo and Matthew McConaughey. I'm not going to ask you what you think of it because you've already told me off air that you haven't seen it. Guys, is that not literally criminal? I'm so sorry. That this 30-year-old millennial woman opposite me has not seen The Wedding Planner. But it's just a perfect rom-com. Oh yeah, I love it. And it was also a big, big deal when it came out because in 2001, J-Lo became the first woman to have a number one film and number one album simultaneously. In early 2001, the Wedding Planner and her second album, J-Lo, were released in the same week. Which is wild, because can you imagine now if you'd bring out both in the same week? Like, you'd never be allowed to do that as part of a promo schedule. Like, the label and the studio would not have that. Yes, and that same year, 2001, she got married again. Time to Chris Judd, the dancer on set of her Love Don't Cost a Thing music video. But that sadly fell apart after two years because he took a big issue with how famous she was becoming. He said, our wedding was a circus. I think several people got arrested trying to climb up a mountain and trying to sneak in. We actually rented the airspace. They then apparently squabbled over his nightclubbing and her focus on her career. Plus, she was still very close with her ex-husband, Ojani Noah, as I mentioned, they carried on being friends whom she had hired to run her new restaurant. And that made Chris Judd feel like a third wheel. Oh. All very much interlinked. Can't be friends with exes, guys. Come on. <laughs> Joking. Learn from J-Lo. Joking. 2002, she released two albums in one year. J to the L-O, the remixes, which, by the way, was literally my favourite CD of all time when I was younger. I played that out. It was just all of our favourite album. I remember in year six... Every girl in our year group was absolutely obsessed. My friend Millie like dressed as J-Lo for a fancy dress party. I remember she had like the white bandana and the little mini pigtails. 
she was iconic. Like she was the major female star of the time. Without a doubt. But of so course I was cute. like a tween girl. I was literally 10 when I was really into her. So it was definitely, she was definitely angled towards a younger audience. Like it was very much at the time of dance culture being mm. really big. We talked about this recently, but like Pineapple Studios yes. and Leg Warmers. And because JLo was such a dancer, I think that's what really made her stand out to that era of young girls who looked at things like fame, as in Fame the Musical, as just so aspirational. And I guess as you're saying, she had quite a PG image. So I suppose maybe she was also allowed from parents to be an icon for these girls. Yeah, I had Jennifer Lopez clothing. So the Jennifer Lopez collection was literally sold in like Fenix and John Lewis and stuff in the UK. I'm certain that the target audience was the preteen girl. So Cathers, would you say that uh, Wedding Planner had quite good press? Like everyone was very pro JLo's come up and her straddling all these industries. Yes and no. So some reviewers would claim that there was no doubt of her screen poise or acting chops, but others suggested that maybe she could choose comedic projects with more bite. Jessica Winter of The Village Voice found her bewilderingly miscast as a button-down celibate woman. Because the idea, by the way, since you haven't seen the film, she's a wedding planner, but a wedding planner who's really unlucky in love and perennially single. Okay, got it. Which I guess, in line with what Jessica Winter's saying, perhaps would be slightly unbelievable when at the time she was like... The sexy siren on top of the pops. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But again, I I went over my head. This is the thing. I have like a a different perception, I guess, of these films because I didn't watch them as an adult. Mm, Yeah. I mean, obviously I've seen them. So she wasn't sexualized. I have so much love for those films because it's about the nostalgia rather than because they're like incredible examples of filmmaking. So then her follow-up was Made in Manhattan. Yep, starring Ray Fiennes. And it was in fact the highest grossing film of her career at the time. Wow. Is it quite Cinderella? Like the trailer yeah, yeah, makes yeah. it look so like she's Cinderella. She's a maid in this gorgeous yeah. hotel. She gets caught by a very wealthy guest in his room, trying some things on. He falls for her, but doesn't know who she is. Like it's very Cinderella. Yeah. Like, it was highly reviewed by the New York Times, actually, which is quite a interesting marker, given that it was a fluffy rom-com. The reviewer there said that JLo's greatest skill as an actress and the key to her brain-addling sexiness may be her ability to melt without cracking the hard shell of composure she wears. Mm, Is that a male reviewer? Yes, he is indeed a man. Because I would say that little aside about her brain-addling sexiness is not relevant and indeed maybe slightly derogatory when you're trying to evaluate her work. But then I don't know, maybe it is important to be really sexy when you're playing a siren in a rom-com. I mean, I agree with you. It's quite like a, there's misogynistic undertones there. But also it does speak to what you said earlier, which is, would she have had the career that she's had if she wasn't so conventionally attractive? Like, no, because yeah. she's not the best actress in the world and she's not the best singer in the world. However, she is jaw-droppingly beautiful and she's yes. okay at both those things. So together, she's got the whole package. Yes, and I think you're trying to just uh, pretend to not see something that's blindingly there if you say that rom- the appeal of rom-coms is not often watching incredibly attractive people fall in love. Exactly. And actually, my all-time favourite J-Lo film is a really weird niche one that most people haven't even heard of, but it came out in 2002 as well. It's called Enough. Right, Hans, who else here feels inexplicably overwhelmed by a silent rage at the sound of somebody loudly crunching on crisps at their desk? Or heavy breathing like a wounded wildebeest? Or snivelling incessantly on the tube? Or clacking their acrylic nails on a keyboard? Ah! I mean, we could go on, couldn't we, babe? But no, you are not a psychopath. If common sounds make you feel suddenly furious, you might just have something called misphonia. 
Yeah, so to explain, guys, our ears are shaped like shells. So the sound we receive is actually always distorted about 20%. Most people's brains filter that out. But if you're like Els and I, then you're going to need a bit of a helping hand. And you have to get yourself a pair of Karma earbuds from our absolute faves at Flare Audio. They have stopped severe bouts of violence. They are so tiny, comfy and super unobtrusive. Much better than noise cancelling headphones, which shut you off from sounds you actually need to hear. And don't just take our word for it. They've sold 2 million pairs since the launch and lockdown. Yeah, and even if you don't have misophonia, they can help with so many annoying and sharp sounds to just take the edge off, help keep you calm. You know, if you're working in a cafe, something like that, you've got to head to Flare Audio to get your pair now for $19.95. Thank you to Flare. It is so good. I had enough on DVD and I was so proud. You can actually watch it on Netflix for free now if you want to watch it. It is an American thriller and it is based on a 1998 novel black and blue which was a new york times bestseller and j-lo plays slim an abused wife who learns to fight back so it starts with slim being a waitress and then she meets this guy who immediately seems really charming and lovely she then marries him shocker uh, has a child with him and then increasingly he becomes incredibly abusive so years later Slim, J-Lo discovers that Mitch, her husband, has been repeatedly cheating on her with no remorse. And when she threatens to leave, he beats her and threatens her. And because he's the breadwinner, he's like, I can do whatever you like and I'm going to have these affairs and you can deal with it. It was definitely giving a bit of Elvis and Priscilla. After this, the police offer no help. Her mother-in-law offers no help. Her best friend Ginny gives her some advice, but she essentially decides to change her identity and go on the run. So J-Lo trains like a kind of kickboxing ninja. I way prefer her earlier sounding of, of her doing like thriller cop style films. Yeah, I this. actually thought this film was so good. And at the time it got really bad reviews. So like the Chicago Sun-Times said it was tacky material and said they were surprised to see an actress like Jennifer Lopez involved in the project. However, then others felt that... <laughs> And I quote, the film's idiocy works for Lopez. Every diva needs at least one camp classic on her resume. So side note, J-Lo actually suffered a nervous breakdown in 2001 while she was filming this film. She was completely overworked. So it's fair to say that since the all-round praise of Selena and Steve Soderbergh's film, it's been more mixed for J-Lo in terms of her creative output film-wise. Definitely. And I think she's always had a fraught relationship with critics. Mm. And it's often quite contradictory, as I just read out two opposing quotes there. And there's something quite kind of double edged of saying, oh, she deserves better. You know, this is beneath her. Because what if she actually really liked the film? Yeah, well, she did. She really wanted to do enough because she thought it was the female Rocky. Love Rocky. Okay, so 2002, things really take a nosedive because this is the year of infamous bomb Gili which was her absolute turkey that she did with Ben Affleck, which Ben Affleck then said possibly ruined his career. Uh, J-Lo has said it was like the darkest period of her life because her and Ben Affleck's relationship essentially imploded at the same time as their careers did because of how badly this film was received. So Julie was about a Los Angeles thug named Larry, played by Ben Affleck, ordered by his gangster boss to kidnap the disabled son of a federal prosecutor. Soon after Larry Gili abducts the young man, a second mobster named Ricky, played by J-Lo, arrives at Gili's apartment just to make sure everything is under control. Gili falls for Ricky, but Ricky is gay. And then the whole kind of film focuses on will they, won't they? 
Originally, Ricky's character was meant to be played by Halle Berry, but she dropped out and Ben Affleck was very keen for J-Lo to step in. Were they together at this point? No. So they met on, well, they met properly when on set for the film. Apparently they had both seen each other at industry parties a few times, but shown no interest in each other. When they did a couple's, their very first couple interview um, in July 2003, they were both like, oh, we iced each other. We iced each other. Because Um, they secretly were into each other. Well, I, at the parties, no, I think they literally weren't interested in each other. Oh. But then it was only on the set of Gigli that Jen was attracted to Ben's comic timing and improv skills. And apparently Jen also loved to improvise. So why did Ben push for J-Lo to be in it? He said he wanted a big star. He wanted a big star with big commercial appeal. I think he probably maybe thought the film was inspired director called Martin Brest. Maybe it wasn't going to, he didn't think it was going to sell otherwise. I think maybe he was being quite a smart marketer mm. about it and also maybe he actually did fancy her i don't know not to, sorry that's quite diminishing he must have thought she was also a great actress i mean to be fair she'd done some really big films yeah she was huge at this yeah. point she was like the biggest female star other than madonna or something so exactly and you know they were really just friends at the start and ben even joined j-lo and her husband chris judd at the opening of her restaurant madres in april 2002 quite a lot of crossover going on here it's a lot of crossover yeah so affleck proposed to j-lo in october 2002 he popped the question with a 6.1 carat pink diamond by harry winston that reportedly cost 2.5 million dollars however things were not going well with the film So it all started with even just the promotional um, details of the film. No one could pronounce the title. People were like, is it Jiggly? Yeah, I remember that at the time. As I said, I was a massive J-Lo fan. So in theory, I really wanted to see that film, even though I was like a kid and it probably wasn't appropriate for me to go and watch it in the cinema. But until probably last week when we discussed this episode, I thought that the name of the film was Gigi. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. And they even had to put on some of the promotional um, posters brackets it rhymes with really so people could actually pronounce the film and say to people like oh should we go and see this film not the greatest starting point is not it? good you want a, a title people can pronounce also apparently there were massive issues with the cut so director martin breast um apparently had done quite a good first cut but because of the huge tabloid interest around Benefer, so around this point, obviously Benefer became the probably the first like hybrid moniker was, of two yeah, celebrities yeah, yeah. yeah even before brangelina and anything. who coined it the tabloids refer to them as Benefer, but Vanity Fair have described this portmanteau as the first of that sort of tabloid branding. Got it. And also it's worth saying, this was very much, as we said in our Britney episode, the birth of the tabloid. So the obsession with Benefer was coinciding with the fact that this was a tabloid's heyday. And yeah. some people have also said that post 9-11, people were just desperate for like celebrity inane gossip that could take their mind off more serious things. And so because of this tabloid interest in Benefer, film execs wanted the director Martin Brest to reshoot scenes to cater more to the love interest between Larry, played by Affleck, and Ricky, played by J-Lo. But the issue is that J-Lo's character is meant to be a lesbian. Oh. (laughs) So um, they completely cut that bit out of the trailer. So the trailer looks like it's literally an old-fashioned kind of rom-com between larry and ricky when actually the main issue is that she's gay and they didn't cut that from the film so they have a bit so there's a whole bit in the uh in the film it's just actually now seen as one of Gilly's worst monologues where larry whilst driving the car next to ricky goes on a big rant about his why he's got a problem which is he's got the most like beautiful hottest girl in the world sleeping on his couch and it's like killing him 
what the trailer doesn't include is the next bit of dialogue, which has been rinsed as some of the worst dialogue of all time, which is, and the problem is, she's a stone cold Dicosaurus Rex. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's not even the worst piece of dialogue. But yeah, they cut that bit out. So it, to, to kind of bait it as a rom-com between them. And in all the promo tra- uh, posters as well, it's very much like Ben and J-Lo, like staring into each other's eyes. So then previews start coming out. As people will know, usually like journalists invited to previews first and then there'll be the premiere. So even ahead of the premiere, there's like mutterings of the fact that Gili is going to be like one of the biggest box office turkeys ever. And lo and behold, when it comes out, it is annihilated. It becomes one of the most expensive box office bombs of all time. It's worldwide gross topped out at 7.2 million, which when when you think that its budget was 55 <gasps> million. Oh my God. So, it just seems so short-sighted for them to go back and try and reshoot the entire film and make it shit just for the sake of having a potential romance between yes. a real life couple. Because all of the reviews focus on what's really embarrassing is this like, oh, Fake. I'm just going to turn a gay... Like, it was quite problematic. I mean, it was also very problematic with the disabled character, but let's not go into that here because that's a completely other thing. But yeah, the way the disabled character was played for laughs was hugely problematic. But yes, also what's very problematic is the idea of, oh, I'm Ben Affleck is just so handsome, he can just turn this lesbian for him, you know? Yeah. J-Lo was paid 12 million, so it didn't even at the box office like recoup half of her paycheck that is actually crazy it's got a six percent fresh rating on rotten tomatoes it got one star across the board peter bradshaw hello again peter said it was so catastrophic he expected the audience to assume brace position <laughs> the time said mere words failed to express the awfulness of martin breast gili affleck himself remembers talking to martin breast on the friday it came out and ben affleck said it's just spectacular it's a tsunami it couldn't be worse this is literally as bad as it gets <laughs> the bit of dialogue that people obsess over which has become like legend is j-lo essentially telling um ben affleck to go down on her by spreading her legs and going it's turkey time gobble 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 uh yeah what that is absolutely disgusting and weird and i don't get the turkey reference no i don't get the turkey reference could someone explain that to us is it meant to be like oh i I don't like that at all it was so bad that miramax actually had to postpone the release of jersey girl which was the next film they were gonna co-star in j-lo was gonna play the dead wife of affleck's character because they needed to distance themselves from geely so much and their screen time was also drastically cut to less than five minutes together. Also because apparently preview screenings or test screenings rather uh, revealed that their chemistry was really off too, which yeah. might be because also their relationship was imploding. It was actually her screen time that got halved, which she then described as the lowest point of her career. Oh, bless her. I'm not surprised. I know. She admitted she felt eviscerated by the media coverage surrounding Jiggly. Julie? No, I'm going to get it wrong. Julie. Julie. I lost my sense of self, questioned if I belonged in this business, thought maybe I did suck at everything, and my relationship self-destructed in front of the entire world. It was a two-year thing for me until I picked myself back up again. I mean, J-Lo, um, Ben Affleck has literally said the film pushed him into directing because he thought his acting career was over. He oh. said, if the reaction to Julie hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have ultimately decided. I don't really have any other avenue but to direct movies, which has turned out to be the real that love of my professional well life. Yeah, because, I mean, I think it was pretty much, I think what was particularly insane was that this Ben Affleck, who had won an Oscar 
for Goodwill the Hunter yeah. a few years before is suddenly in like the like worst trash film of all film. time. Like, literally widely yeah. considered one of the worst films yeah. of all time. I saw quite a biting uh, critique, which was from the Observer critic, who said the film reminds the world of how pathetically incompetent they both are in the only two things that matter in career longevity, craft and talent. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, but that is very funny. I mean, no wonder they were both like broken by it. My God, I can see why their relationship did not survive this. You couldn't. I mean, also like you're intrinsically <laughs> bound to each other through being laughing stocks. Like you kind of would want to move away from that and leave it in the past, you, wouldn't you? They would have to split up for their careers to recover. Literally, they would have to. They probably made that call, yes. right? I swear they put, they cancelled their wedding only four days before it was supposed to happen. Yes. So they cancelled their wedding. They said due to the, so this was in 2004, Uh, Due to the excessive media attention surrounding our wedding, we've decided to postpone the date, the couple said in a joint statement. When we found ourselves seriously contemplating hiring three separate decoy brides at three different locations, (laughs) we realized that something was awry. For God's sake. I know. But also like maybe just don't have a big celebrity wedding. Like maybe do it in private in your garden. Like you've done once before. Yes. (laughs) You already have been around that rodeo. So there were rumors that uh, Ben Affleck had cheated on J-Lo with strippers. And there were also rumours that he was seeing Jennifer Garner, who he'd met already on the set of Pearl Harbor. And there is this mental story that I found that just goes to show how toxic media was at this time. On July the 30th, after they had publicly announced their breakup, J-Lo's sister, the DJ Linda Lopez, called her during New York's 102.7 Blink Morning Show so as in Linda was presenting the show, to ask her sister on air whether she knew about the stripper move rumours. Oh my God. And when Linda recounted the story to the Inquirer, she said that Chelo replied, it sounds like Ben, he does tip a lot. So it's also worth saying that in 2002, another of JLo's creative outputs really, I think, gave Ben Affleck the ick in terms of his serious <laughs> actor image in Hollywood being like pulled out from beneath him. He had his music video directorial debut with Jenny from the Block, which has him, among other scenes, kissing the bare buttocks of Jennifer Lopez on a yacht. She's really like incongruous for Ben, isn't it? Yeah. expect him to be directing no. Jenny from the Block, the music video. And she's basically saying like fuck you to her critics because I think there was this narrative until then of like what could a boy like Ben be doing with a girl like JLo like I think she was seen as beneath him see I do remember the song being a riposte to her diva image because the tabloids were going absolutely ham with pitching her as a diva around this time yes so she was actually trying to get back to like her roots and be like I'm Jenny from the block like I'm not the spoiled starlet that you think I am. So I think it was multi-layered because there was a very much the point of like, look at Ben, who is my arm candy. Look at him filling up my car. Look at him on my arm. Like very much being like, I'm not his bit on the side. I am calling the shots here. Then there's also like, yes, I'm Jenny from the block. I'm always going to be like my authentic self. But also here are loads of pictures of me on yachts and like with designer handbags and designer clothes. Like I think she's also being like, fuck you, I can do both. Yeah, it was the classic story of like, this is who I am now, but I haven't forgotten from where I'm coming yes, from. Yes, exactly. But she was absolutely lampooned by the press again because they were like, oh yeah, of course, like JLo, so down to earth while she's posing on her yacht in her underwear with Ben Affleck. And people also hated the music. All music said the song was silly. The lyrics were laughable. Um, James Pilotti said the music was agonizing and a cynical appropriation of hip hop culture. The Village Voice, John Caramonica, who's now the music editor of, I think, 
is it the New York Times, said that Jenny from the Block aims to fast talk herself into authenticity. AOL Radio deemed it one of the 100 worst songs ever. See, I disagree with all of that. I love Jenny from the Block. I love Jenny from the Block. I think it's such a good song. Also, it's done so well. Yeah, so again, I feel like that's a classic example of critics being snooty, but actually not really understanding a commercial market. Yes, so um, one of the reviewers wrote, poor J-Lo couldn't lounge on her yacht, be adored in a hot tub or wear her $1 million engagement ring without someone taking her picture. It's not easy being overly wealthy up superstars (laughs) because I think the whole video is like, oh my God, like leave us alone. The paparazzi are constantly creating stories where there's nothing there, i.e. for instance, it shows Ben Affleck picking up um, J-Lo's lost earring and the paparazzi are like, he's proposed. So they're constantly having fun being like the paparazzi are idiots. Like they're just making shit up, leave us alone. Very much a kind of anti-media intrusion narrative. But I think also the critics are like, but you are famous. This is part and parcel and you're also incredibly wealthy. So like you can't have your cake and eat it. I think that's the whole friction around it, isn't it? It always is with big criticisms of the paparazzi. People get really funny about it, don't they? Yes, I think people have, I think critics at the time also felt that her and Affleck were like super PDA and super flaunting of their wealth, which they yeah. can stand, which I think is probably misogynistic in a way. They couldn't deal with a super successful woman being so boastful about it in their eyes, Ooh. which is why they kept calling her a diva. Right. That Yeah, because I was going to ask you, like, where did the diva narrative come from? Why did the tabloids decide that she would be tarred with that brush? actually and before we get into that can I just say how much did you love the Jenny from the block outfit like at that age do you remember the high-heeled like Timberland boot shoes that she wore they're objectively hideous and I think they even came back into style a couple of years ago but I remember them being like the coolest shoes that existed on the entire planet earth yes I do remember that and the Baker Boy hat I had a copy of that I had a baby blue copy from Tammy when I was in year six and I thought I was so cool I literally thought I was mini JLo oh and of course uh listeners will know uh that you dress up as JLo for my birthday oh no it's his birthday party oh yeah last I did. year you were, I was Britney you were JLo so I think the diva thing was linked to the fact that critics thought she was too successful too overexposed she was one of the highest paid she was definitely the highest paid Hispanic woman in the world but she must be one of the highest paid actresses yeah do you think it was that yeah, like deep-rooted misogyny around the amount of money that she had because she kept hitting all these milestones that were like the first woman to have a film in the box office and an album out. Yes, and I do also think there was racism. So Sonia Saraya in Vanity Fair suggested that so much of the fury and the moral panic even around Benefer was because of a perceived mismatch. How could a guy like him go for a girl like her with all the racist baggage that implies? Putsy to me now, I, I'm like... J-Lo is so clearly so superior to Ben Affleck. Yes. The fact that that would be the public narrative is wild to me. What do you mean a girl like her? Literally the most famous actor and singer of the de- of her generation. Yeah. Objectively stunning, beautiful woman who's literally like a triple threat. Why would she not I know. be the woman of every man's dreams? I know. It's ridiculous. I guess people thought like boy next door, Ben Affleck tradition all-american boy why is he choosing to go with a latina woman i think that was the racist overtones of everything and if you look as well at the media coverage of her around this time it is so racist so there was a south park i mean south park makes fun of all celebrities okay and i do think celebrities are fair game for those kind of shows but i do think south park went really racially problematic when it came to j-lo's um 
I love South Park, but I think sometimes they take it too far. Yes. So they made a joke out of her being a taco, which is really racist because tacos are Mexican and she's Puerto Rican. And it's it was like also not funny. No, it's like literally not funny. What a fucking dud joke. I mean, I watched the video clip for this and I was like, I was kind of laughing just because it was just so absurd because it has her as a little mini taco with lipstick just on. Just ridiculous. Being like, oh, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. But it's mental. And yeah, she's not even Mexican. So it's ridiculous. But then also Conan Bryan, the American chat show host in 2003, did a horrible little sketch where Julie had just come out and he said, we've actually got Benefit to come and apologize to everyone for the abysmal film that is Julie and out comes a gorgeous Ben Affleck lookalike and, oh, our cleaning lady. What? Yeah, she was like, we got our script intern to play Ben and our cleaning lady as Jennifer and out comes a cleaning lady who maybe looks a bit Hispanic in cleaning lady clothes next to gorgeous oh lookalike Ben God. to be like, we're sorry. And I, I guess the joke was she's just been in Made in Manhattan, but it's that's a completely different context oh my god that is actually really awful and shocking it's that weird thing that we often have when we look back at tv culture from the noughties Mm. i just can't believe that anyone would ever consider that acceptable to put on television so when i was looking at the youtube clips uh people now as in like we're commenting now being like i can't believe jlo was so upset by the south park joke it's so funny apparently she got people fired from one of her films i actually couldn't find on the internet which film it was but around that time like runners and stuff were whispering we love tacos and she walked past and she would have them fired i think this is also where the diva stuff came from apparently she was difficult to deal with yeah okay but i do think south park as I say, I am a huge fan of the show, but they can be incredibly cruel in yeah. a really horrible way. Like when they took the piss out of Sarah Jessica Parker, it was honestly like, I hate that episode. It's like horrific. Oh my God. They go God. on and on and on about how she looks like a horse, how she's hideous. They cr- pretend that she's this like weird creature that people go and hunt in the night because it's so like scary oh, and ugly. No, God. it's like- Sorry, like, I'm laughing in shock. Yeah, it's honestly unhinged. Yes, I think that's not funny at all. There is an interview with JLo where, which- the quote is quite anodyne, but I do think when we're talking about the diva, I can maybe see this behavior being taken as divadom. So the interviewer says, Benny Medina, your longtime manager, said that you were single-minded in your ambition and as a result, you didn't always come off as warm. And obviously, as we know, men love women to come off as kind and mm. smiley at all times. And so Jayla replies, I think there's some truth to that. I'm incredibly impatient. I want everything now. It's hard for me to tolerate a slow pace. I get annoyed with it. I don't like the word no, like really bad, really bad. If you try to tell me no, I will get into a bad argument with you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yes, Which okay. I think this is very telling. That also <laughs> speaks to how she comes across in the documentary, I would say. Yes. Like ambitious and focused to the point of almost being a little bit scary. Yeah, and I think we've said this in different episodes, like across this podcast, is that to be successful, it doesn't work to just be... A wetter. No, she certainly wouldn't have got to where she is if she didn't have the confidence that she clearly does. You know that she fired Benny Medina and her publicist in 2003? Ruthless. After that whole shebang. In fact, I shouldn't even say ruthless. Maybe that's just a smart business decision. Well, if you were literally, if your career was in the bin, having had like the most incredible five years prior, you probably would start thinking that heads have got a role, wouldn't you? Heads have got a role. The last thing I'll say on the racism is that film producer Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas, who worked on Made in Manhattan, she told Rolling Stone in 2002, here was a woman who had the number one movie and the number one album that had never happened, and they were writing about Puffy. A year later, Made in Manhattan was number one, but here's what the press said. Ben Affleck sleeps with the help. She just didn't get the credit, and I don't know how else to say it, but she didn't get the credit that white actresses got, and I know because I work with them. Which I guess is still an issue with her being snubbed from the nominations in the Oscars for Hustlers. Yeah, although my deeply unpopular opinion, as you well know, is that she's just not that good in that film. I don't think... As in, she is. She's great. Like, yeah, it's a good role for her. It's a bit different to Mm. her previous work. I don't think it was Oscar worthy. Where is the Oscar for enough, is what you're saying. Exactly. (laughs) If enough won't be recognised, then I'm damn fooled if Hustlers will too. I thought Hustlers was amazing, but I think maybe I was also very much in awe of the physical... Yes, her physicality, uh, like her actual strength and the amazing like pole dancing that she's doing. Which is like, she's an athlete in that film. Yeah. And also, I literally hadn't seen her really in anything else. And so I was like, wow, J-Lo actually can act. Whereas you'd probably assume that she was a rubbish actress. I think so, yeah. Or particularly because I had seen her in um, Marry Me, in which I was like... Which I quite enjoyed (laughs) with Maluma. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was good. So poor J Lo. But on the upside, she did have a new marriage to look forward to. Good for you. Good for you, honey. Okay, Mark Antony from 2004 to 2014, her longest marriage to date. 10 years and with whom she had twins. So Lopez and Anthony met while he was performing on Broadway in the musical The Cape Man in 1998. And then they collaborated together on the song Norma Ames. I'm sorry for that pronunciation from Lopez's 1999 album on the six. That same year, as we know, Lopez divorced Ojani Noah. And in Lopez's memoir, True Love, she wrote that Mark Anthony's first words to her were, one day you're going to be my wife. Oh. Which I think is actually aggressive and a red flag a huge red flag they married in a secret ceremony at Lopez's home in Beverly Hills so you could have actually done that with Ben exactly there's no reason why you couldn't have had a domestic wedding sources told people that the wedding was even a surprise to family members who were told to come to an afternoon party at her house however I do think that there may have been more infidelity here because J-Lo has said since when my marriage ended it was not easy to find forgiveness It wasn't the dream I hoped for and it would have been easier to fan the flames of resentment, disappointment and anger. She then said, also in true love, maybe I had to go through the bad so I could end up with the person I was meant to be with all along. But I'm afraid to say that that person was Alex Rodriguez and that didn't last either. No, (laughs) A-Rod. I really did think that they would get married and that would be her person. I could never have expected the plot twist that has been the reunification of her. 
Do you know as well that she and Mark Anthony were in a film together? She has a habit for jumping into yes. roles with her significant other. And they toured together as well. Yeah, didn't they do some Spanish language music they together? Did. Yeah. I do think maybe mixing business and pleasure is not the thing that works for JLo and her spouses. I think that's a fair statement to make which might be why i saw i think a vulture article saying that ben affleck's directorial data credit for her new film this is me oh yeah uh now has been quietly dropped because maybe he doesn't want to draw attention to maybe it again. he's like let's not we've been let's down not, this road yes, before let's not try that again <laughs> i mean looking back on the kind of chronology of everything it's interesting because i think of j-lo as just this like perennial like perennially present star but actually she really has had peaks and troughs through her career like in the round the time we're now talking about she had three box office failures in a row she was in a film with robert redford and morgan freeman an unfinished life in 2005 i've got to say i don't remember that no she just wasn't in a good place in her career i would say in the like latter half of the noughties after giving birth to the twins in 2008 she took a two-year career break what did she do in that time? Her restaurant Madre's closed permanently, as did her two fashion lines. She'd already rehired former manager Benny Medina at this point, so she released two songs in 2009, Louboutins and Fresh Out of the Oven. Oh, Fresh Out of the Oven when you just had babies. I mean, not to be a hater, but I don't love that. Um, <laughs> they were <laughs> recorded for her. Drink every time we say not to be yeah. a hater in an episode. I know, it's like, how do I couch my bitchy criticism? <laughs> Look, we have to be bitchy every now and then. We're, we're telling the truth to power. Um, her first film in three years later on was The Backup Plan in 2010. The New York Times critic did say that she was unimpressed. However, this was probably not all JLo's fault. She flagged that romantic roles for women are often the provenance of the bland or the blonde. So that oh, does speak to what you were just saying. And yeah. perhaps much of the criticism of her was actually charged by racism. Mm, I agree. The big turning point in JLo's career, if you don't mind me skittling on ahead with oh, the old side on line, was in 2011 when she joined the judging panel of American Idol. Yes. So prior to that, she'd had a rocky time. But when she did take this job, she wasn't getting offered very many films and it marked her return to prominence. Apparently what it was that did it was the humanization of her for viewers. So instead of seeing her as an attention-grabbing siren, they met a hard-working, self-made, empathetic single mother who got emotional when contestants did well and when they failed. She got $20 million for the 11th season. Christ! So I don't think she'll be worried about empty pockets. Who do you think is wealthier, J-Lo or Ben Affleck? Ooh. Well, I'm going to say J-Lo. Because of her business... But then again, reading through them all now, it's easy for me to assume, oh, she had all these amazing businesses in the past. But actually, when you really look into it, most of them have folded. She did, however, have 17 perfume brands. And as we touched on in our Britney Spears episode, perfume is damn lucrative. I had yes. Get the Glow by JLo. And, and Paris Hilton's was very successful, wasn't it? Exactly. And I think she definitely got bang for her buck out of those types of partnerships you know she's been a brand ambassador for l'oreal she's done fiat she's done venus she also had a homeware line with tommy hilfiger so random you said earlier also off air she released a children's book yes she has recently released a children's book with jimmy fallon how weird that is genuinely really odd about being bilingual what yes are they both bilingual jimmy fallon well, i don't know i didn't know this about jimmy fallon until potentially now 
There were some really other things that you were kind of listing off that she'd done in her business empire. Yeah. She's had a luxury t-shirt brand, Teology, which she launched in 2012, having already closed two clothing brands by this point. She's also written a book. True Love. Exactly. Which is part self-help manual, part memoir. The vibe I'm getting, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way. Sorry. Again, <laughs> not to be a hater, but. Not to be a hater, but it does feel like maybe J-Lo was trying to do too much, spreading herself too thin. I'm going to agree with that. Because do we think that much of her output has been great works of art? No. <laughs> and actually, while I am a big fan and I have thoroughly enjoyed her music over the years and many of her films, this is a woman who could have taken on half the projects. Yes, she could have just done less. Why in 2002 she needed to release two albums and two films? That's just too much. No wonder she had a nervous breakdown in 2001. And I think she is incredible in terms of being multi-talented. Yes. That's always been her USP. She's a really strong dancer. She's a good singer. And she's a, I was going to say good actress, but maybe we'll say okay actress. Okay actress, yeah. So all those things together then make quite a compelling package. Amazing entertainer. A good old-fashioned entertainer in the purest sense. Exactly. She's a Kylie. She's a Madonna. She's not an Adele or an Amy Winehouse, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hate the idea of, you know, stick to your lane and women should only do one thing. But no, I do think that that is a preposterous amount of things to be juggling. I mean, I think juggle all three of those things, be a dancer, be a singer and also be an actor, but just do less in terms of actual number of projects. Yes. I think. Yeah. Because how can you possibly put all of your focus into any one thing? Can you imagine being in a film with Morgan Freeman, but also having about... 15 other bookings that year as well yeah and you have to market all these things also I, I listened to JLo which again is her number one out al- was her number one album I was really bored throughout see I love her music but again that's because it's nostalgic for me yeah really nostalgic oh I have some more fun random jobs she founded the mobile retail brand Viva Mobile well that's absurd she also had plenty of other films we haven't even mentioned like um what's it called meet the Mon- meet the there's just so many, you can't get into them all. Monster Parents. Oh, Monster-in-Law. Monster-in-Law. With Jane Fonda. Yes. Yeah, which actually got slightly better reviews. She was also, as of March 2022, the Chief Entertainment and Lifestyle Officer on the cruise line Virgin Voyages. I mean, a lot of these titles will be simply honorary and it's yeah. like, oh, look, we've got J-Lo on board. <laughs> Quite literally, but like, and therefore she won't, she'll just get one of her assistants, I mean, or executives or whatever to make decisions on her behalf but like stop taking on so much if you want the quality control to be there the quality control is not on everything. no and also do you really want to be responsible for the musical programming on a virgin cruise <laughs> do you it's also a dilution of the brand like yeah. if you see and again it's an issue that we constantly deal with on this podcast the overexposure of women is a really awful misogynistic thing people see your name everywhere and you're too available and you're too accessible and people turn against you yeah I think they that's, just want to tear you down yeah. so that maybe is even part of why she's had this kind of constant rise and fall I also do think that with music, it's such an all-encompassing, like often deep, quite like spiritual, drainingly emotional process. I don't understand how you can simply have the bandwidth to do all of that. Yeah, how can you possibly write a meaningful album when you're also shooting a film over eight months, all in the same year? You just can't. It takes true artists to years to craft an album. 
I would also like to take this moment to say that if I were Ben Affleck and my partner wrote an entire album dedicated to me, so she has said that that album, which included the song Dear Ben, each song was inspired and about Ben. And her follow-up, This Is Me Now, which is coming out, is also all about Ben and it includes a Dear Ben part two. I personally, if I were Ben, would feel smothered so the cynic in me as well is like are you pushing the narrative that this album's about ben so that it gets more traction does that make it more interesting to people it does genuinely objectively objectively it does but then also she is such a hopeless romantic that i actually do believe those are genuine feelings that she does just want to write about ben all day i actually said this to a colleague i was like is j-lo actually the only example of a woman to have a male muse a mute male muse (laughs) i can't think of any others who has been a consistent muse to like two bodies of work god and also as we were saying off air does ben sometimes feel like he is perhaps trapped in this relationship you do slightly get that vibe whenever they go to public events together and she's like telling him off and being like smile yeah or and he's just like morose and mute in a corner yanking his arm a little bit or yeah it does seem that he is being dragged I suddenly imagine him in a in a room being forced to sit on a chair whilst J Lo is like, just sit there whilst I look at you and write. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that whole wedding did look like quite the production. So, guys, if you don't know, J Lo shares all her kind of insider intel on her newsletter on the J Lo on the J Lo, and it's all kind of subway themed, isn't it? Exactly. And then 2019 is when she got engaged to A Rod. But sadly, they separated in 2021. Yeah, which really surprised me. I thought that that was going to be her long-term love. I know. Short-lived. But unlike some of her salty exes, the former pro athlete has been very uh, supportive of J-Lo. He said she is the most talented human being I've ever been around. Aww. Go A-Rod. So she would have been with him at the same time that she was filming Marry Me. What I find truly bizarre, though, is that Marry Me came out in 2022. So guys, if you haven't seen Marry Me, J-Lo plays a hyper-successful star, a musician, who is cheated on by her fiancé and finds out on stage. She then decides to get together with a random fan in the audience, Owen Wilson, who happens to be holding a sign saying, marry me. Yes. She is then too busy as this massive star to pursue a relationship with a normal teacher like Owen Wilson, who turns out was not a massive fan, but was just holding the sign for his friend in the moment. Yeah. When J-Lo happened to see it. So it's the whole point is that it's an unlikely love story with someone that isn't interested in her celebrity. I do think that she has maybe a complex, perhaps quite rightly, about infidelity. Mm. And this may not be true, but I read that in her... Agree- her wedding agreement with Ben Affleck, the most recent one, there is a $5 million cheating clause oh. where if either of them cheat, they have to pay the other person $5 million. Oh, wow. Do pe- is there any lawyers listening? Does that sound like a viable thing that could happen in a wedding <laughs> agreement contract? What do you even call it? Prenup? I guess in America, prenups can have anything in it. than yeah. they do actually in the UK. I feel like I've heard that anecdotally before. Because if Diddy cheated on her... If Ben, if Ben Affleck cheated on her in round one. With yeah, she shippers. obviously wanted to build that, like we've said in the storyline mm. of Marry Me. I think it's worth mentioning here that the film was actually made by J-Lo's own production company. She is making a real push to create films that not only celebrate Latina culture, 
Yes. So again, if you don't know, Maluma is a Colombian superstar. He plays a also famous pop star and Spanish language is brought in. It is very much celebrating Latin pop. Do you know what? Sorry to just, it was giving me real Lizzie McGuire, the movie vibes. Iconic. That whole film. film. Yeah, I love that film. See, I am at least in that. Thank God you've seen that. Lizzie McGuire. And the Princess Diaries. Those are two things I'm very much clued across. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that is quite incredible because she is a real advocate as well, JLo, to be fair to her. She's always been a massive LGBTQ ally. She is also a real activist when it comes to empowering women. Her production company is obviously all about using women writers, women producers. Yes. All that jazz. However, Mm, we need to get to the... The however. So in 2021, she signed a multi-year deal with Netflix to produce a range of films and television shows through her production company. The first one was Shotgun Wedding. Have you seen this film? Again, I talked about it on air. You did, and therefore I didn't need to see it. Yes, and that's also where I get balls deep into the wedding industrial complex and JLo's obsession with weddings. So if you want to get really into that, go back to that episode. Yeah. That's where you will hear all about the wedding industrial complex. However, Shotgun Wedding, just a really weird choice to come out with a wedding film a year after you just did a wedding film and both were made by your production house. That seems a very strange choice to make. At what I think there's a vulture piece that goes, at what point does, does this complex with weddings become a cry for help? Like literally. <laughs> and Shotgun Wedding, if you haven't seen it, is quite a fun conceit, I will say. So it's about a couple having an abroad wedding where all of their guests are taken hostage by... I don't know, are they pirates? God, I can't remember. But so the male lead is actually Josh Duhamel, which is, he is recognizable, but you feel like it's like a bit of a weird choice Mm. for JLo's co-star. But that is in fact because Army Hammer was meant to play that role. And then all the cannibal stuff came out right around. (laughs) That phrase never gets old. Yeah. So if you don't know, guys, sorry, I'm saying that like you necessarily have the context. Army Hammer, very well-known actor who went through a period of being totally beloved, particularly post the film Call Me By Your Name, which he stars in with Timothy Chalamet. He became this huge heartthrob. And then around the time of the pandemic, a lot of allegations of sexual assault and rape were levied against him there was also some very bizarre allegations around his obsession with cannibalism Mm. and that ended up taking on more weight I suppose because of the morbid fascination that everyone had so even though he was obviously persona non grata from the moment that these allegations came out there was also like an absurdity to the conversation around him because people went through his old social media posts and found weird bloody steaks and knives and just really obvious references to his predilections all of this to say is he was, of course, taken off the film. Yes. He was replaced Fair enough. with Josh DeHamel. But there are also really other fun people in it, like Jennifer Coolidge is in it, Lenny Kravitz is in it. And it's definitely worth a watch. It just feels like you could maybe have more fun with your career. Like, don't you want to test yourself and do new things? It's more like, why do you just keep wanting to do the same old trope all the time? Yeah, it's that, it's even boring. this album. This is me now. Like, why are you doing a rejig of an album from nearly two decades ago? Yes. Strange choice. God, I have to say as well, she has described this album, the one that's out tomorrow, as an emotional, spiritual and psychological journey of her last two decades. Does that sound insufferable? Yes, it does, Cuthers. I mean, a a lot of what we've talked about sounds insufferable. I went on a bit of a deep dive for her various quotes as well. As we said, she's one of these masters of not saying very much all the time in interviews. Classic. This entire list of quotes are literally just well-known phrases 
that she parrots and thinks that they're really profound. Give us some examples. You mirror what the world mirrors to you. Oh, yeah. Doubt is a killer. You just have to know who you are and what you stand for. Which is easier said than done. You get what you give. You put into things what you get out of them. Not always true. Beauty is only skin deep. I think what's really important is finding a balance of body, mind and spirit. Oh, but it's easier to do that when you've got 20 million quid in the bank. <laughs> you've got to love yourself first. You've got to be okay on your own before you can truly be okay well, with someone else. Well, she's never on her own is the issue. You've literally been in a relationship you've since 1998. frog leaping spouses your entire life. Oh, and then this one. Some people are naturally thin and some are heavier. There is a lot of focus on it and it can be a lot of pressure for people. But honestly, I think that someone's healthy. That is most important. Yeah, but unfortunately that isn't the way society is built. So you saying that isn't that helpful to anyone. No. I mean, clearly she does feel slighted in relationships because even these little quotes (laughs) as well, as you've touched on. I have my own high standards for what I want in a partner and how I want to be treated. I bring a lot to the table. I'm not talking about material things, but what I have to offer is a person, love and loyalty and all the things that make a good relationship. I've also read that she also brings a lot of food to the table. Apparently she loves cooking for Ben. Oh my God, love that. Fried chicken and kidney beans. I think a lot about teaching my kids to work hard. Why is that a quote on Brainy Quote? (laughs) That is not even a quote. (laughs) Women should, I quite like this one. Women should never go without earrings. Passing them on is an opportunity missed. Well, actually, that is at least something of substance. I feel like that is, she's saying something there. I mean, part of me is like, fair enough. If you've always been disrespected by the media, you are going to do some serious media training and make sure they don't get anything out of you. Yes, it's very Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Like saying nothing while saying quite a lot. Yeah. Like you wouldn't even realize as the reporter or the interviewer how little they'd said until you went back and listened to the interview and then you'd yes. be like, bugger. They didn't you, actually get anything out of them. Yes, I've been in interviews like that where you feel like because they're so warm and they're so personal and they're looking at you in the eyes and they're saying something with so much feeling, but then you transcribe it later and you're like they didn't say anything. They were just being very connected yeah. with me in the way they said and it. It felt like something in the moment when you hear the tone of their voice and yes. the eye contact, but when you look at the words on a page, you're like Right, there's nothing I can do with that. That's the thing is because these kind of LA types, they say things with such poignancy because what they, they think everything they say is so moving and important. Yes, it's that. And then like, actually what you said was incredibly mundane and I've heard it before. I also do think that we need to caveat that J-Lo has been accused of appropriating work from other artists. Unfortunately for J-Lo, none other than Io Edebiri, the Bear star, we've talked about the bear enough on this podcast so you should have an idea of what it is by now but she was uh on snl on the same weekend as jlo being the musical guest which was awkward because io's tweets were dredged up where she basically said that jlo's entire career was a fat scam but i feel really sorry for io because they're old old tweets that have been dredged up like yeah she didn't know she was going to be sharing yeah, the it's not like she actually tried to annihilate jennifer lopez these were things that she said years ago when she yes. had no platform. <laughs> it's really unfortunate that she was on SNL, SNL with her. But in a way, it's also like, wow, look how far you've come. I'm tweeting about J-Lo to starring alongside her. Yeah. Um, but there is some truth in what I has been saying. So I think it's well known that J-Lo doesn't necessarily have the best singing voice. A lot of the vocals on her songs, including Jenny from the Block, are actually from backing singers. That from is demo. so wild. Yeah, so there were lots of rumours around the fact that Natasha Ramos, the backing singer, was actually like the main Jenny from the Block hook. And four years ago, she came out on Twitter and said, I just want to clarify something. J-Lo did indeed go into the studio 
and lay down some BGVs over mine so I wouldn't say she's so much lip syncing however the backgrounds are predominantly me some ad-libs and laughs as well god so that's very much her confirming that it is mostly her um Angela has also been accused of allegedly stealing vocals from Christina Milian and Ashanti in what sense so particularly on the songs like play and I'm real she was accused of not properly crediting Ashanti and Christina Milian oh so there's this whole article which i won't go into but you can google it which is like j-lo has a history of stealing from black women okay let's put that in the show notes i won't read that yeah plagiarism Mm. allegedly 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 because she has herself criticized other famous women in the public eye oh yes of her own have resurfaced recently and she called cameron diaz a lucky model who's been given a lot of opportunities that i just wish she would have done more with she's beautiful and has a great presence though and in my best friend's wedding i thought when directed she can be good that is sad i can't even imagine her saying that because she's so restrained elsewhere what's also quite funny is when asked about Gwyneth Paltrow she said tell me what she's been in I swear to god I don't remember anything she was in some people get hot by association I heard more about her and Brad Pitt than I ever heard about her work a month later Gwyneth Paltrow won an Oscar for Shakespeare and Love. <laughs> oh my god that's karma yeah that is karma uh, I also should say talking of savage put downs we must remind the listeners of one of the most iconic lines in celebrity culture I don't know her which is when Mariah Carey was asked what she thought of J-Lo in 2003 by a German interviewer. And she just smiled and went, I don't know her. That's so great. I feel like J-Lo needed a little taste of her own medicine, particularly as she had literally said about Madonna. Do I think she's a great performer? Yeah. Do I think she's a great actress? No. Acting is what I do. So I'm harder on people when they say, oh, I can do that. I can act. I'm like, hey, don't spit on my craft. Oh, sorry. Jodie Dench over there. So I am very intrigued to see uh, what This Is Me Now will be like and that very bizarre Amazon Prime sci-fi comedy rom-com Odyssey. Yeah, she's also got another sci-fi filler coming up, Atlas, which was filmed in 2022. And New Zealand, which is her third project under the Netflix deal. And she's going to star in William Goldenberg's biographical wrestling drama, Unstoppable, which is produced by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. So they are having oh my god creative collaboration. Let's oh see how god. that goes. Brave. Firstly, I can really see her as a female wrestler. Is she going to play a female wrestler? <laughs> I don't know. I just know it's a wrestling vibe. She would look yeah, amazing. I, I think Ben Affleck needs to get off the uh, the productions. Don't think this is good. In he fact, take, do with taking a step back from JLo Frontage. They could do with some space, content. Some, some creative professional space. In fact, Ajani Noah said he felt that they weren't going to last. Oh, salty little bitch. Yeah. Watch the space. Okay, better. Shall we do a five pound bet? Do you think they're going to stay oh together? God, I feel cruel, but no, that's I really would mean. be surprised if Ben Affleck and JLo were still together in 10 years. You're joking. I, I did not think you were going to say so. that. I don't know. I'm just maybe a skeptic about like, her romantic life i think at this point you just got to suck it up yeah have a private affair i think come on now (laughs) that's one that is enough you've got to just stick with it can you be a five-time divorcee is that what she would be at this point or would it be a yes because she's been married no she's been married four times so if they got divorced it would be her fourth divorce any listeners who have made it six time lucky 
Let us know. Let us know, because maybe we're being really judgmental. I just, I don't necessarily think it would be good for either their self-esteem to go through another divorce. In the public eye. In the public Again. eye. Again. And they would be, can you imagine after, it would be Gilles V2 in terms of the laughing stock. If they Aww. got remarried and then he gets involved with her comeback album and she does a whole love letter to a sonic love letter that would to just him, be too and then awful. they get divorced I, I mean i feel like i'm being such a bitch but actually i think good for them i think that they're a lovely couple and i think <laughs> hang on five minutes ago you just said they wouldn't laugh yes but i still think they're a lovely couple oh yes they're lovely i just my but for now faith and also ben affleck known for potentially cheating philanderer philanderer surely he wouldn't dare this time around though my god also, God, I mean, imagine having him around, face like a slapped ass. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think he's quite funny. I think he's one of those, like, dryly comic, like, um, what's it called? Deadpan? He is that classic deadpan humour, which I do find very funny, personally, so... Well, let's watch the space. Guys, let us know what you think of the album. Please, please do go and watch the Cinematic Odyssey on Amazon Prime. This is me now. We would love to hear your thoughts on this love story. We will... Riku and debate yes. in the coming episode. Guys, please do, as ever, send in your thoughts to Straight Up Pod at Instagram. Let us know what you'd like us to cover next. Let us know your thoughts on JLo. Do we love her? Do we hate her? We'll pop up a poll on Spotify. Oh, do have a look at our polls. Yeah. Anything else, hon? Have I covered it all? I think you've covered it all, babe. Rate, review, subscribe. Leave a the review usual. at Apple Straight, at Apple Podcasts. Love you guys. Love you.